Welcome back to the Nerds RPG Variety Cast. On this Spotlight Sunday, I'm going to talk about Double or Nothing, the role-playing game. So because it's Double or Nothing, I brought on a co-host. I have Eric from the Omega 3D Chicken Coop. How are you doing, Eric? I'm doing fantastic, Jason. Thanks for asking. Not a problem at all. We both really like buddy cop movies. In fact, I've run a buddy cop game that you played in before. That's correct. It's a genre we both really enjoy, and I'm always looking for the perfect game to emulate that genre, right? Usually for one-shots, but the idea of having you know, a fun kind of romp and a game that would support that. In the past, we've used um, Deep Seven's 1PG system, Deep Seven Press's one-page role-playing system, and I used that to run a buddy cop game, and I think that went pretty well. But that didn't do anything mechanically to support the genre. It gave us the mechanics to run, you know, 80s cops, right? Kind of light, lighthearted 80s cops. But it didn't do anything mechanically to support, you know, the dynamics between the, the two. The two You and, and your friend Scott played the, the buddy cops in that game. Right. Um, yeah. No, it was... It was more about the system was light, right? It's one page is the I don't think they're are they actually one page? I can't remember. Usually they're well, the character sheet is and all the, the rules sheet. all the rules the player needs are on the character sheet. Yeah. But there's a little few other bits and bobs. Yeah. So yeah. so that was good because the rules got out of the way mm-hmm. of the genre that you were trying to emulate. And then obviously you being a fan of the the genre. I'm a fan of the genre. Scott is a fan of playing big tough guys, which mm-hmm. usually in a buddy cop uh, <laughs> uh, show or movie or whatever, there's a tough guy. So Scott played the tough guy, and um, yeah, and and it was fun because you know we were all into that genre and that kind of setting and wanted to play. But you're right, mechanically, it didn't do anything to promote the buddy cop style play. Right, and so we're going to talk about a game tonight that does have mechanical support for the genre but i think it's important to caveat that no matter what game you play no matter how well the game designers understand the genre and the game designers for this game really do the players need to understand the genre and and buy into it and buy into the tropes to make a buddy cop role-playing game work because a, a buddy cop movie obviously have a script and you have actors and you have that chemistry going on and you're not going to just emulate that by just grabbing two role players and sitting them down and picking up. They have to be in on it, and and the role and your players have to and the GM. But everybody at the table really needs to buy in to say, "Hey, this is kind of what we're going to try to do." If if this is going to be a successful venture, w- would you agree with that? Yeah, totally. I I think you know we talk about tone a lot of the times, but the tropes are are very important in a buddy cop style game, and it's probably a good idea from a research standpoint to watch some buddy cop style movies or TV shows or cartoons. Uh, Cause we'll talk about this one is kind of based on anime um, prior to, you know, hopping in there. And then also you also have to take into account uh, this game has a different source material. Like when we say buddy cop, people might be thinking like um, lethal weapon uh, rush hour, uh, Tango and Cash, uh, Bad Boys. Um, you know, you you had some older ones uh, mm-hmm. that you discussed the other night. Well, this one, and you'll be able to talk more about the source of the show because I don't remember the names of them, um, is based off of more anime-style mm-hmm. buddy cop, which there are some even additional tropes 
that go into anime focused buddy cop. So you kind of have to decide up front, are, am I going to use this game system to run it exactly like kind of the anime style and some of the other elements that are included in there? Or are you going to try to go for more of a Tango and Cash, um, Shanghai Noon, uh, Men in Black, just watch Men in Black the other night. That's that would that would fall in the same genre, which you could sure. very easily do Men in Black style game with this. Um, so so that I think it's important. Yes, that the players and everyone need to kind of understand the tropes. Otherwise, if you're like a air quote serious role play game uh, role player or gamer, you might come in and be like, "What are we doing here?" That's like one liners and barbs and what's happening, like the actions over the top, like it, you might have a hard time relating to that if you're not understanding that going in. Right. And even if you're not super quick witted or, or even if you want to play the straight man, you still need to be aware of the genre. So you kind of know what you're doing as the straight man in, in that game or straight woman or, you know, if you're playing the, the straight cop, right. Or yeah. and when we say cop here, they don't have to be cops by any means, but that's just the, you know, the, the lingo for this kind of kind of thing. I mean, if you think like the TV show Psych, that's Buddy Cop. If you think about, yeah. um, th- there are so many examples of things that that aren't police that are there's still Buddy Cops. You know, you, you have the private eye stuff. But even getting away from the 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 police thing, you, you still have other things. I think would would fall in that category. I w- you know, I would say to some degree. Now, I've only watched the first few episodes of Robotech, so I'm not going to say Robotech's a Buddy Cop show. But the dynamic you have between your and and you know Robotech better than I do, but you but your your young pilot who who gets basically drafted in and his buddy Rick, that drafts him, Rick Rick Hunter and Roy Falker, yeah, right. You, that could turn into a buddy cop thing, easy enough. Or, yeah, quote unquote, you could you right? could have yeah. yeah, you could have pilots uh, competing against each other. Mm-hmm. Um, you could have it could be race car drivers. Yeah. Um, it could be private investigators. It could be psychic detectives. Um, it could be. Dueling food trucks. I don't know if you could come you, up with. Yeah, you probably could. I mean, <laughs> you could come up with so many different things. Yeah. Right. Right. So, but I, I think you and me just, just be, so let, to put our cards on the table, you, you know, we're both, you, you know, hetero married white guys. I'm Gen X. I, I think you're a little bit younger than I am. What, what do you yeah, identify I was, as, Eric? I was born in 80. Okay. And uh, depending on what chart you look at, I could be a Gen X or I could be a millennial. Uh-huh. So, I mean, but I, there's a, I read a report that said those of us born in like 79 to 82 are considered zennials, like the bridge between Gen X and millennial, because I did grow up with internet and chat rooms and stuff, but I also understood, I also had an Atari and I also had to sit in front of our Zenith TV and change the channel for my dad because there was no remote control. Right. So I don't feel like a Gen X or I don't feel like a millennial. I feel like I'm somewhere in between, but yes, you make a good yeah. point. And um, yeah, yeah. Just like you, I'm a hetero white middle-aged male. <laughs> right. So, so understand folks, when we're coming at this, that that's what, you know, where we're at. And now I'm very accepting of, you know, whatever consulting folks want to do is fine by me. I'm not judging anybody, but I, I don't always know the right lingo to discuss that. So, you know, please don't hold that against us. And I mentioned that because Double or Nothing, the role-playing game is a really interesting game. And and I really like it. I think this, it has the, at the bones of it, has everything you need for a great buddy cop game. Now, this is put out by Newsstand Press, and it's written by Erica Chappelle. And they've done other games. I think maybe their most famous game, the other one I definitely have heard of, and I think 
you mentioned you had this game is Flying Circus. Is that, is that yes. Right? Yeah, I do have the PDF uh, version of Flying Circus. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, there's a, a a neat game and and it's designed to recreate the anime and, and the manga Dirty Pair and to a lesser degree, things like Gunsmith Cats. And what Dirty Pair is, it's in the future, they're, it, it's a pair of ladies that are troubleshooters and they go around and, and they have, you know, kind of this flirtatious back and forth thing going on throughout the episodes and they always end up causing more collateral damage or as much collateral damage as the bad guy they're trying to stop causes, you know, in various hilarious ways. And, you know, it's a it's a pretty lighthearted show, but it's a lot of fun. I've I've watched it. I've picked up the late novel for that and the um, manga for that, but I haven't had a chance to read those yet. Um but, yeah, and, and Gunsmith go Cats, I, I just have the Wikipedia up. These are two anime that I haven't seen, um, but they do have, I would say, more adult themes. Well, and, yeah, they are. Yeah, it's, yeah. I, yes. Gunsmith and, Cats is a mature anime. I, I do yes. That. Yeah. Let's and, and I would say that this game has the potential to incorporate some of those adult themes if you play it rules as written. Uh, we're going to cover those, but I, we're also going to cover how, you know, um, the components that let's say Jason and I wouldn't be comfortable doing with each other in the game, how you could change those for your table. And the game does specifically, and it recognizes the fact that it has um, maybe some mature content or a content that people might be comfortable with. So uh, like a lot of modern games, it does discuss uh, the use of the X card and mm -hmm. setting up. I can't remember. It used another term for setting up some of the like um you know the limits within the game but i can't remember what it called that maybe i'll i'll skim as you talk and see if i could find the, the what what it what it yeah, called I mean, it maybe i could also be thinking of something completely different too right yeah i, I remember it's, it's it's very upfront about talk about the x card and all that um but so basically this game is designed to emulate that kind of genre it doesn't have to be in space you know, it could they could be 1920s PIs or they could be, you know, psychic detectives in Victorian London. And they talk about that, the settings a little bit, you, you know. Um, yeah, there's some specific yeah. um, on page 25, 24, it starts called inspiration. There's premises and you could roll a D6 and it'll give you a premise. So, for mm -hmm. example, I rolled if I rolled a three and say 1960s spy movie, go to go to poorly researched exotic locations and fight acronyms, infiltrate volcano bases, miniskirts and go-go boots. Your car is also a submarine. Maybe one of you is British and the other is a Soviet. Damage is in the millions of pounds. And we'll talk about why the damage component is important. That's an important part of this game. But it does have um, some small tables for conflicts, um, premises, um, competitions, which is another component we'll talk about, another important part of the game. Um, so, so those are some of the tables that are in the back that can help you generate some content for this game. Right. This is designed for three people. I guess we should mention that as well. It's designed for a GM and two players, although it's also gives you rules to play without the GM uh, for GMless play, which, you know, a couple may want to play this GMless. And, and there are some mechanics in here that depending on the group dynamic might be uh, more comfortable GMless, to be honest. But it, 
So let's talk about the mechanics in here. We've kind of talked about the inspiration. Yeah. I, I think a good spot would be to start with the skills because I thought that was a really interesting um, mechanic on how they decided how what skills are in the game. Right. Well, well, really quickly, I guess the other thing we should talk about before we get into the skills are let's talk about the fact this is a this is a lightweight game. This isn't a simulation game. This this is a very narrative game. It's you know, your characters really don't have any chance of dying here. This is a one shot game. You're going in to have fun with your friends and and, and you're going to go through and kind of through the course of the game and what happens in the game it's at the end of it you're going to have told a story but it's not any kind of simulation if you want detailed combat mechanics if you want things like that this isn't the game for you so i i do want to make sure our listeners know that but yeah, yeah. recommend so, you load up with a six pack of fluffy unicorn mm-hmm. and a bag of pretzels and <laughs> you'll probably have fun playing the game yeah definitely so Generally in the game, your characters are going to be a pair. And with the base material, they are a pair of, you know, of the same sex. But you could easily do this as Fox and Mulder. You could do this as silk stockings. You could do this as moonlighting. You could do this as a, as a you, you know, a, a, a two-gender pair, too, if you wanted to. Um, I, I don't see any reason you couldn't do that. But, yeah, the way the skills are really interesting. So the characters... You take turns as you build the character. So each character has four skills. They're going to have charm. They're going to have a fighting skill. And then they're, and they both have charm because both characters, of course, are going to be lovely and charismatic. And they're going to have some kind of fighting skill. And then they're going to have two other stats that are unique to that character. And actually, the fighting skill is also broken into two parts. So they're both going to have a basic main weapon, like, you know, handgun. And then they're also going to, then they're each going to pick something unique that would fit the setting, unique for that character to differentiate them. Like one might have karate and one might have a bazooka or something. I don't know. Um, Laser swords, grenades, you know, whatever, knife, whatever their second one is. And I think that the cool thing is, is like what Jason's talking about here is the only stat that it says you must have or skill is charm. They both have charm. Mm -hmm. There is no other list to pick from. So it's, Picking what you want, right? So it's if you're doing space, maybe it's laser pistol, energy sword, and laser rifle, and you know, laser nunchucks, whatever it's gonna be, right? right. And then the other two stats are supposed to oppose each other, right? So because if you think about it in buddy cop um shows or movies, like the characters are typically opposites. Like the classic one is like the one that probably does it the most extreme is Tango and Cash, right? Like Mm -hmm. that that's one of the ones where they really like make them very different, right? Um or in Lethal Weapon, you know, between Danny Glover and Mel Gibson's characters are very different, right? So, you know, so let's go to you know what's funny is I don't remember their character names in Lethal Weapon. Murdoch and Riggs. Riggs, yeah. Riggs and Murdoch. Yeah. So so like Riggs would have like he's obviously knows like hand to hand combat right so he would have like um or may or so he would probably um have like pistol and hand to hand and then Murdoch would have like um like his his pistol and I don't know he'd have something crowbar baseball bat or whatever but then you would pick skills that oppose each other right so the example they give in the book is uh, and, and and just to be clear. 
the this is done one at a time. So yeah. what would happen is if we were playing, Eric would pick a skill, and, and then I would go, and then I would pick a skill. Eric and right. And, so if I'm Riggs, yeah. I pick tough. Let's say that you know mm-hmm. uh, Riggs is tough, right? And then Jason has to go, and as Murdoch, he has to pick his skill. But my skill is supposed to be effectively opposite of what his right. is. So I might pick, you, you know, administration, right? Right. I, I might be a, you know, he he might be a tough, you know, no karate and all that, but I might know the law and, and the, you know, the, yeah. the court system pencil, or the pencil pusher. Yeah, pencil yeah. pusher, right? Yeah. So and, and then so I would can, pick a main skill and then he would pick the opposite of that. Yeah. So I, I think that's, um, I think that's pretty cool. Like, yeah, the Murdoch might pick like, oh, he's uh, well connected, right? And mm-hmm. then my character would pick loner, right? right. And then so, so that's kind of how you would work that out. So I, I think that's a really cool system. It may be difficult for people that aren't used to open systems where you know they're used to picking from a skill list or it's very prescriptive. So that could actually get people to kind of stretch their brains a little bit in the gaming sphere. Um, and also, you know, it's probably if someone's struggling, you know, you can kind of riff off each other and figure out what, what to do next. Definitely. So so you create your skills and then all your skills, all four of your skills start at one and then you get two more points and you can either you can stack them all in one thing or you can spread them out. That's up to you. Um, and then you're going to work together. You're going to build a vehicle, um, and, and, you know, because in a lot of these genres, you're going to have a special vehicle. You know, Riggs and Murtaugh don't so much in Lethal Weapon, but a lot like Starskin Hutch, you, you know, or like say any of these space shows, they have a spaceship. So you're, you're going to build a, a, a vehicle together and the vehicle kind of works the same ways. Uh, but you what you do is you take turns giving it skills until it has four skills. Um, so which is kind of cool and the vehicle depend on the genre that uh, you know when where i was calling him murdoch and he's murtaugh thank you yeah, yeah. so i'm sure someone was screaming at me yeah. like eric you're saying his name wrong um probably could fit mr joshua gary Busey's character um probably sean black he you know he listens to the show but, <laughs> um so we we've got our characters created the next thing we're going to do is we're we're so the way the game opens is the GM is going to ask the characters, "Where are you? You're off duty right now. When the game opens, you're off duty. Where are you? What are you doing?" And and then they're going to say, you know, oh, well, we're we're at the bar, or we're at the bowling alley, or we're, you know, wherever, right? And they're going to say that. And then at that point, we're going to open the the game up and we're going to define what the competition is. And the competition is a key part of this game. This is a really neat part of this game. So the competition is going to be a something that the two characters compete a friendly competition throughout the whole game so think about the lord of the rings and think about how legolas and gimli were like like counting how many orcs each one killed right that's a competition that's the kind of thing we're talking about here or maybe you know like the example they give here in the book you know maybe both of you caught the eye of a you know you know a cute waiter there at the casino where you're both at where it opens well, your competition is going to be trying to one up each other, trying to, you, you know, catch his eye and and try to, you know, get him to warm up to you, that kind of thing. But it, it doesn't have to be sexual. It could be a drinking competition who, you know, drinks some most shots throughout the adventure. It, you know, so it's whatever you guys define it as. And and that's something the the GM, the two players kind of work together to define what this competition is going to be. Right. And it's important to note that the competition 
is more important than your actual mission yeah in yeah. some ways like it it becomes overriding almost detrimental to the mission um i mean that's that's what's supposed to make it interesting right is that the characters are so focused on the competition that they aren't necessarily making the right or smart decision for the scenarios that are happening right which fits the genre you know because yeah, generally but... you know and and then we come well i'm going to skip ahead because the next thing the book talks about is the basic resolution but what I want to talk about, because we talked about the competition, I want to talk about collateral damage next. So I'm actually okay. jumping ahead in the book. But so the other standard in this genre, because of it, maybe because of the competition, maybe just because the characters are loose cannons, or you know, for whatever reason, generally when they do things, there's going to be a lot of collateral damage involved, right? And so not just by whatever they're trying to stop, whether you know whatever villain you're trying to stop or whatever you're trying to do but just inadvertently you know some of it's probably the character's fault they're causing all this damage and some of it just is an accident but you're going to track and that's where how you track the damage matters and what units but the damage is going to be tracked and the gm will track how much damage the characters do and how much damage is done by the disaster or the villain and then at the end of the game hopefully the characters will cause less damage than the villain <laughs> than the disaster yeah yeah than the disaster and hopefully neither of those will be over 60 so you know 60 million dollars or or whatever right it, it depends on the on the on the um era the game's played in and the unit what that's going to be but it, it doesn't you don't lose if if you go over in the collateral damage by any means but it, it but it's one of the ways you, you know it, it's a metric the game uses in determining experience points at the end of them which most of these are one shot so it's not that big of a deal but it, but it is something you track it's in genre and it's a fun thing to track it's especially fun so at the end of that at the end so it's like another buddy cop we've watched dead heat right so it, it you know it, what's any of these movies or bad boys right where where, yeah. where your sergeant's in there chewing the cop's butt saying look how much damage you cause you know 50 million dollars you know and 20 wrecked police cars and this and that well, that's kind of why you're tracking collateral damage, so you can have those scenes, you know, as much. Yeah, as and I think didn't you do that to us in the buddy cop game? Yeah. Oh yeah. That's got. I played. I believe. Yeah. Yeah. That's got to be your post scene, right? At the end of the game, it's you and Sarge's office, or you know, whoever yeah. the director's office, you know, getting your your butt chewed out um, yeah. over. Even if you got under the limit, you know, it just depends on. What they say is, yeah, sure, you shut down the portal with the aliens pouring out, but in the process, you destroyed downtown priceless artifact, priceless statues, and ruined the YMCA and everything right. else. And, and you know, even so, the Dirty Pair came out. Well, the the anime was eighty five. I don't know when the manga or the story started, but even in in that, in the eighty five TV show, they had th that scene where they're in front of their boss and he's chewing them out for for all the collateral damage. So, I mean, it's you know. It's, but yeah, all these movies typically have that kind of thing. The the basic resolution mechanic here is is just really simple. It's just d6s. You're you're rolling a d6 for each point you have in a skill. On a one, it's a fumble. A two, three, it's a miss. Four, five, it's a success or a hit. And a six, it's a perfect success or a perfect hit. And you know those work just like you think they would. Um, on a fumble, the GM narrates and goes out of their way to make an embarrassing, silly slap stick or comedic as possible, usually with a huge amount of collateral damage. On a miss, you treat it like any other circumstances. 
you you could still give it players a little bit of a win, but things are still going to kind of be spinning out of control. Want to hit, you're going to do what you wanted to, to do. Um, want a perfect hit, they're, they're, the player is going to describe how they're going to get a point for the competition because it was such a good success. You, The player gets to describe how they did good on the hit, but they can't use a hit to get ahead in the competition. And we'll get back to that in a second. On a perfect hit, they are allowed to describe use that to get ahead in the competition. So, um, and the competition is what we described earlier, where you're trying to who's killing the most orcs or drinking the most shots or getting the eye. Yeah, and, and the and I would say if you're unfamiliar with the genre or you're like, well, I like, I'm thinking about doing it. The book does a really good job of. Like the examples it sets mm -hmm. up are really good. It even does that with the character names examples, right? The character names are kiss and tell, right? Right. So it's it does a really good job of showing that how you could do it in the examples. Um. So so even if you're like kind of on the fence, like I'm not sure, you know, if you're like I'm not sure I'm well read enough. I'm doing the air fingers because being well read and buddy cop is kind of an oxymoron. But um, it does provide examples of how you can do that. So right. And, and and there are ways to get bonuses if like one of you is in your vehicles and you have a skill if you have a skill relevant you know that can add to your successes. I I don't want to read all the rules out because obviously mm -hmm. it's, you know you know we want people to go out and buy this. I definitely think if you like the buddy cop genre, I think there's a game worth and, and and you're okay with more narrative games and like the idea of sitting down for one shot beer and pretzels game with your friends. I think this is worth picking up. And, and even if you're not interested in some of the mechanics we're going to talk about here in a minute. I think there's enough here to 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 pull out to use for your other games. It's it's worth looking at. Um, so, and again, yeah, I, I don't want to go over every rule in here, but but I but so let's talk about the things that some tables might not be comfortable with, and and how we how they could use it. So there's flirting in the game because in this genre, especially in like the anime genres, you have flirting back and forth between the characters, right? And so. You know, not everybody's going to be comfortable doing that. And let's be honest, if you're playing Lethal Weapon, it's not necessarily. So the Riggs and Murtaugh aren't necessarily flirting with each other or bad boys are not necessarily flirting with each other, but they are giving verbal jabs to each other. So you can still use this mechanic. It's just not as, as sexual as it might be in some games and how sexual it's going to be is going to depend on your table and your players. And, you know, that's cool. But. Yeah, Basically, and I think it's important to understand that it, because these, because you said the writers were involved mm -hmm. in Flying Circus, I'm Flying Circus. It's that that goes back to Powered by the Apocalypse and kind of Dungeon World type stuff, and that game, those games do have sex moves and other type of things in there built in. So if you are going to use that flirting mechanic, um, like we were saying, Jason and I are both hetero white males that are married you know we probably aren't going to be super comfortable like legitimately flirting with each other in a game so you know it's going to kind of depend on you know what i don't know what the right term is what culture you're involved in i guess is the right term um so so like jason was saying though i, I think you could easily apply it to whether you call it barbs or verbal jabs or um you uh, part of my French shit talking, whatever you want to call it. Right. Yeah, definitely. And, you, you know, because now, like, if I'm playing with Joe Richter, of course, we would be able to flirt with each other because, you know, Joe's not married. So and and I'm not married in Washington State, so it's OK. But <laughs> that, that's a joke, people. That's a joke. I, I do not endorse um, 
anyway, let's not let's get off that tangent. Um, so the flirting mechanic is is really cool. The idea here is you're kind of going back and forth, and obviously you're doing it out loud. So when one character delivers, you, you know, really good line, they get the flirt token, and what that does is it gives a plus one d six to all their rolls. And what happens is if you roll multiple dice, you take the highest die. It, it, you know, so so having that flirt token is a big deal. And then the other character to get that flirt token back, they have to do a comeback that's even better. So, and if they can't think of a better comeback, then that flirt token stays with the char- the last character that did, you know, the good flirt. Now, and again, it doesn't have to be a flirt. If it, like say, if you're playing, you, you know, a, a a more serious thing, like we think about some, or not serious, that's the wrong way to say it. But if you're doing a more manual manly game, right, manually, whatever. Um, that they'd be the, the verbal barbs back and forth, the jabs or whatever, right? But but either way, it's that one-upmanship. And so you think about Rush Hour, where they're you, you know, Jackie Chan and um, um, the guy who's not in movies anymore uh, disappeared. Oh, What's his name? Damn. Um, uh, he was in the Fifth Chris Element Tucker. too. Yeah, Chris Tucker. Yeah, yeah. Chris Tucker. I, Chris Tucker. I like Chris yeah. Tucker. I don't know. I, has, he, has he been in trouble? I, I like Chris Tucker. No, I've always no, liked Chris he, Tucker. He he disappeared um, after Rush Hour. I think that's. Oh, aren't they that's doing a, a new Rush Hour movie though? I, don't I know. heard I, that. Yeah, I've always liked Chris Tucker. But anyway, yeah. but yeah. So you think about like Chris Tucker and, and Jack Chan going back and forth, right? Or think about any movie with um, Owen Wilson. You, you know, and and, <laughs> yeah. and whoever because Owen Wilson plays the same character in every movie, doesn't he? But um. Anyway, so so that's kind of the flirting mechanic is you're going back and forth trying to one up each other. And then be, with the flirting mechanic, it, it keeps going until one of the characters gets put up to the wall where the only thing they can do one up is kiss the other pl- character. Now, this is the, the player character kissing the other player character, although if, you, you know, it's acceptable at your table and if if you guys are cool with it, the player could kiss the other player. Um, <laughs> but at the point of the kiss, then the flirt token goes away right because at that point you're you're done you you've you've gone as far as you go and 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 that's it so and so that it's kind of a neat mechanic and you could easily like i say adapt it to what what eric so you know kindly called shit talking back and forth right (laughs) now the other mechanic in here that goes kind of with that another way to get a die you know most like you, you think about most groups that are consistent of of, of of old white guys like me and Eric, uh, hetero white guys probably aren't going to incorporate this mechanic, but it, it is a pretty genius mechanic. Is truth or dare, and, and so you can do. They recommend doing, and this is again why you need that X card, right? But but it, you know you can actually do real life truth or dare right there at the table to get that extra die. Like I say, probably if Eric and I are playing, we're probably not going to do that. But if that's something your group's comfortable with, it, it really is is a, a it could be a fun mechanic with the right group. I, honestly, you know, I don't know what kind of truth or dare you and I could do that are very interesting. So that would well, be the problem. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, like I say, it, it, that's going to be very group dependent on whether that's going to be appropriate for your group or not. But but there's like I said, truth I or this, dare truth. How many pills do you take a day to make sure your body doesn't fall apart? That would be what our truth yeah. and dare would consist of. Right. It, yeah. It definitely wouldn't make for very riveting radio. That's for sure. No, no. But, but so so you can go through the game like this, and and you only roll when the roll is important. So you're not rolling for every little thing. So you're you're gonna like in a combat you you roll, but you're not having to roll like each round. It's it's really kind of loose 
loosey goosey the way it's the, the combats are run because the characters are expected to succeed at the end of the mission. It's just how much damage and, and you know, chaos you cause while you're trying to succeed. And, and, yeah. and so it's building that story. I think if you were running this and it does have some rules for campaign, like how to mm -hmm. make your characters mm -hmm. get better. I think if you were running this in a campaign or a mini arc type thing or over a couple sessions, you could have the characters not fully succeed, right? Like right. Hans Gruber gets away, right? Or Mr. Joshua, you know, escapes with your, your, you know, your best friend. And I, so I think you can add some, um, like you don't succeed components if you're going to do it as a campaign type thing. If you're doing it as a one shot or if you're doing it as a con game, it I, I don't think it makes sense to do that. I think, like you said, that they win. It's just they went over the collateral damage and, you know, half the city's leveled. Right. Yeah, the mayor's house exploded or. Yeah, I, I can see this being a really fun. End of night game at a con, you know, this is the game, you know, the the ad adults only game where you come and and you're drinking when you're playing it, which is why it's adults only, right? That you play it, you, you put in the ten o'clock at night slot, and and you play for an hour, just you, you know having fun at the at the end of the night. I could see this really fit, fitting in there well. Um, yeah, this is get, definitely uh, the uh, the lobby of the bar at the yeah, at the convention yeah. type game. Yeah, where you're. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah, um, they, like Eric said, they do have rules for doing a ongoing game, and that's where like. You know, you get experience like if you won the competition, if you kept collateral damage under a certain level, things like that. You can get experience that you can use to increase your skills is basically what the how the experience points work. But that that's basically the game. We we didn't cover every little thing because I like I say I, I would like to support the creator and would like to yeah. buy it. But it's not a big book. It's got it's only 30 it's pages. Mm -hmm. Um, which includes, you know, cover art. Um, so let's talk about a little bit about the aesthetics. Um, yeah, it does kind of give a um, neon sign, like a pink neon sign kind of vibe on the cover. Um, it has two what appear to be female characters with uh, laser guns, you know, with different styles. Uh, the artwork is very cartoony, um, but that's I think that's good for for it. Right. Um, kind of uses a because it's designed to be in space like they're the base setting for this is uh science fiction far-flung galaxy where there's megacorps no aliens very human-centric so it does have kind of like a space motif in the background and then the um, font and all that kind of stuff um builds off of that in my opinion yeah no i i really like the aesthetic it's it's color throughout the whole book mm -hmm. they have some illustrations throughout the book that are very appropriate to the game the illustrations do not overpower the book. You never feel like the illustrations are padding the page count or anything like that. No. I, I wish I don't see. So you can get this either on drive through or on the creator's itch page. I will have a link to both in the show notes. I think it's six bucks. I, I it purchased is. it. I think yeah. it's six bucks for the PDF. If I remember. Yeah. It's so. Six bucks. Either place you get it. It's $6. There's no option. There's no print on demand option. I would have ordered this print on demand. If it was, I, I wouldn't mind having a copy of this. Yeah, even if you used it once, six bucks for uh, three people to have fun is pretty cheap. Mm -hmm. <laughs> if you think yeah. about it, um, yeah. yeah, it's high contrast too from readability standpoint because it's black mm -hmm. background with white font. So I find that very easy. I find that more um, pleasing on my eyes when I'm reading it on the PDF format. So that's nice um, for those that are visually impaired and use a reader. I don't know how well it 
does, but it doesn't have a lot of tables. It only has tables in the very back, and it only has three of them. And um, yeah, and I believe those tables. So we'll, we'll have to we'll check back with um, I'll check with Joe Richter at some point. He so Joe talked talked me into there's a reader built in the iPhone, and and one time he talked me how to enable the reader the screen reader, but I it took us like five minutes to get me to how to turn it off. So I'm scared to put put the screen reader back on my phone. <laughs> so, but, but you don't want to be, you don't wanna be surfing surfing your phone at work and it start to read off what you're reading and be like, <laughs> yeah, that and on a bad. hit you get plus two damage against the orc and people just like turn around and look at Jason. Like, right. What are you listening to, Jason? Yeah, but but these tables actually the way because when he did an episode on his show about accessibility, these tables I think because the way they are would actually probably be pretty. Yeah, they're two column. They're well. not. They're yeah. two column. They're not like crazy tables, you know. It's not right. like some crazy '90s game where you have like five times derived stats. Yeah. Now, this, like, I, at, like, like after the bomb. Mm-hmm. After the bomb is a is a good game. We are enjoying it. It's what it is. It's a product of it. All, like all Palladium games, that's that that that's not a that, that's a feature, not a bug. Um, <laughs> it's a feature. That's a good point. But. Eric, I really appreciate you coming on talking. I've got some other games that, you know, buddy cop games that I'd like to discuss in the future. If you're willing to to come on in the future and look at those other games. I'm your buddy cop guy. I feel like the late 80s, early and early 90s did buddy cop the best. I'm not sure that if I guess the rock has been in some buddy cop stuff. Oh, yeah, that's definitely. pretty that's pretty solid. Mm-hmm. Um, but but I definitely feel like the genre hit its peak back in the, the late eighties, early nineties. That's just my humble opinion, but yeah, Kevin Hart's been trying to do some buddy cop stuff with the rock and then, you know, some other stuff, but I don't know. Yeah. I don't know how successful all that's been, but you see buddy, but you get in, in different places. I mean, to some degree you get it even in comic book movies that are so popular now. Right. I mean, they're yeah. trying to tap into a little bit. Yeah, you know what? Thing. Thor Ragnarok is a mm-hmm. little bit of a buddy cop. Yeah. Uh, though there's three kind of buddies going on. Yeah, it is it is interesting, that whole kind of back and forth. You you kind of get like a sub buddy cop scenario in some of those movies. Like you talk, like we were talking about Gimli and Legolas, right? There's kind of like a little mini buddy cop storyline happening within there. So, and, and interesting enough, James Gunn, who's taken over the it, well, he's co-chairing the the you know the direction for the DC films here going forward. Well, actually, all the DC stuff going forward. There's some standalones that made too much money for them to let him touch, like the like the Batman series and the and the Joker standalone and stuff. But but he but one of the things they're doing is a Green Lantern, a live action Green Lantern TV show that's going to have Hal Jordan and John Stewart, which is great because I can't wait to see a, a live action John Stewart. I, I know a lot of people like Howard. John Stewart's always been my favorite Green Lantern. And um I, I'm excited for that. But he said that that's gonna be kind of like a buddy cop show mixed and, and kind of like true detective as well, which okay. A Green Lantern true detective sounds, you know, pretty great. Um it does um, sound good. I guess my most recent buddy cop thing that I really enjoyed was um Falcon and Winter Soldier on Disney Plus. And um, and you know what? Actually, Hawkeye is here. I would say I was going to say Hawkeye. Hawkeye Hawkeye is, and I really enjoyed that too. Um, So, so I guess there are some more modern ones. I just, I, 
they're not as overt in your face as the old ones used to be. Like they used to Mm -hmm. be like very cheesy over the top, like in your face. Like I said, Tango and Cash is like the one that like immediately comes to my mind. So, yeah. But yeah, there there are so many examples out there, but very cool. Well, I thank you so much for joining me for this. Everybody check out Double or Nothing. I'll have links in the show notes. Eric hasn't had, Eric's been busy. He hasn't had an episode out for a while, but I also have a link to his show in the Years. show notes. Um, and yeah, I, I guess all that's left to be said is be excellent to each other.